Hello everybody and welcome to This Game Wears Christmas episodes of 2023. The first of many. With me, Ashley. And me, Chris. Ho, ho, ho. I nearly forgot to say my name. <laughs> that's right. That's, I got overexcited. That's fine. I, I've forgotten my name before. I called myself Ashley in one episode as well. That was Oh no, I didn't forget my name. I knew what my name was. Oh good. <laughs> you called yourself Ashley in an episode. Yeah, when I was did. that? Oh, ages ago. I, I, I don't know what happened. Did it did it make the edit? I think so, yeah. I, I would imagine did it? so because really? you Brilliant. probably left him for Oh, that's amazing. That is so good. I didn't remember that that happened. Yeah. We record these, and I probably enjoyed it at the time, but then when it came back to editing, it's just noise. Like, I, I have certain cues that I listen for, like ums or ers, and then go, does that one need to come out? Yes. No. Seems fair. But if you just talk and it's just noise. It's the first of our Christmas episodes, though, as you said, and it's our annual gift guide today. Ho, ho, ho. Yep. I'm going to stop doing that now. Chris has gone into CBBC mode. CBBC more like. So, gift guide. CBBC, yeah. Gift guide, we are each going to present five items in turn and things that for the gamer in your life, you might want to get them for Christmas or maybe you want to get yourself for Christmas. Just some little recommendations yeah. from us for over the year. Yeah. Yeah, that is it. I mean, it's not even from over the year. It's just like thoughts that we've True. had, I think. Like it, the game... The game of the year type stuff is is more focused on this specific year, isn't it? But yeah. like the gifts are like, oh, I think this might be a good one or something. Yeah. Just do you think like. about this throughout the year or do you panic panic in the like few weeks before we have to record this episode? I don't know what you mean by the word and panic. Pull, pull a list together. I don't approve the implication of that word. <laughs> Uh, I kind of, uh, as things pop into my mind, I will think, oh, and then I'll probably forget them instantly. I, I did this list a few weeks ago, though, in, in not a panic, but panic. just a kind of, uh, maybe we should start getting some thoughts together. Okay. You? Okay, cool. I'll be honest, normally I would pull things together throughout the year. This year, um, I was still thinking about what to put on my list this morning. Great. So, yeah, it's not it's not for lack of thought it's just i don't know if you remember last year but last year i had too many ideas this year's not the case there like i don't have too many ideas um but last year i had an overflow do you remember my overflow i remember one of the ideas being the the thing to block out to remote control your curtains closed yeah what what a frippery so it was 400 pounds (laughs) the one that i found oh yeah you say that's a frippery but tell everybody what you got for your for your not even for your living room for your kitchen curtains no kitchen blinds tell everyone what you got this year i just like the idea of you just sat there like in a in a cave and just like hissing at the sun and like pressing (laughs) it pressing a button and having the the blinds close slowly yeah i like the fact that you went out and bought that tenfold for your kitchen having heard it on my having poo-pooed it as an idea on my christmas gift guide you then went out and purchased it for yourself. I did actually. Yeah, you're right. Our kitchen blinds do have a remote. I forgot about that. All right. Okay. Yeah, you ha- you haven't put the twos and twos together on that, have you? Because you've come back in with the poo poo, uh, and you are the living proof that that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, it's quite good actually. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Now imagine that in your living room when you're trying to watch a film and the sun's come round to the wrong angle and it's all shining on you on your screen. It is quite imagine that you don't that have to get up. You just do the remote. Yeah. It was a perfect idea. It was one of my extras last year. 
Well, I think another extra that always comes up is uh, PlayStation Plus or Xbox Game Pass or Nintendo Switch Online. Like they, the I, I would put the emphasis there on Game Pass. Game Pass this year has been lovely, like just brilliant. Well, on, on that note, shall I start my list? Oh off no, with number have one? you done? <laughs> oh, what is it on your list? We had that on our lists the first year. I think I put it on my first year list, and I've tried not to put it on ever since. But there is reason for you to put it on. So let's get started. Hang on, I'm sorry. Shame. Well, number one on my list no, no. is Xbox Game Pass because this year hmm. I got an Xbox and I got Game Pass, and it's really, really good. It costs yeah. forty pounds for the year. Or a little bit less if you kind of do some wheeling and dealing, as as actually helped me to do. But you know, for the average Joe, it's forty quid, and it it's not. It's not. Oh, okay. How much is that? No, it doesn't cost forty pounds for the year. I think it costs forty pounds for the year if you do the wheeling and dealing. Oh. However, I think you were one of the last sets of people to be able to do that wheeling and dealing because they've closed that loophole now. Mm. It's still. Like, it's not that much of a steal. It's not £40 a year. So the, the wheeling and dealing, for anyone that doesn't know, is that you would buy an Xbox Gold, uh, Xbox Live Gold pass for 12 months, and then you would spend £1 to upgrade it to an Ultimate pass uh, for for Xbox Game Pass. You can't do that anymore because they've, they've got rid of Gold as a, as a service. So now it costs ten ninety nine a month, about 120 quid. And I'm still going to say... It is a bargain, even at that price. Like you're talking about the same cost as I. Well, I say this, I can't remember how how much Netflix costs anymore, but that's gone up a lot. Yeah, it has. This this uh, Game Pass certainly doesn't cost more than Netflix. If anything, it would cost less at ten ninety nine a month, and I'd say it's an absolute bargain. It's the fact that now, and and obviously this is how it works. The fact that there's just this massive, massive library of games that I've got access to, and oh, that game's come out. I'll give that a go. And mm-hmm. it, it's broadened the number of games I have played considerably, and also just giving me opportunity to try games I wouldn't play normally. There's a game that's come out. Okay, I'll try that. Maybe I don't like it. I've not actually lost anything, or rather, actually spending money. Yep. Uh, it's great. There was a story you just mentioned, PlayStation Plus. There was a story this year, about two or three months ago about Saints Row 4, I think it was, on PlayStation mm. Plus. Oh, how, yes. How that had suddenly become massive on because it had been, been released on PlayStation Plus and people were playing this. And it was a game that didn't do particularly well, didn't review well, didn't sell well. But then because it then became available... It wasn't on, Saints Row 4, was it? It was the, it was the reboot. It was oh, just called Saints Row. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and because it came on PlayStation Plus, people were then trying it and it shot up the charts as a rule. Charts, maybe not quite the right word but it did very well oh, yeah, charts. as a result of that so yeah there you go game pass number one yeah a, a, a brilliant option as as i was uh suggesting anyway like it should just it to me it's just always perpetually on the list yep but i don't want to be bo- boring from my point of view and and keep putting on the list because i think i've mentioned it and we'll, we'll continue to mention it but i've mentioned it in some capacity for the last two years it makes complete sense that it's on your list to me because you have you know you've gone further you've gone for the xbox you've got you you got yourself one this year um and and you're sort of newly in newly the, swimming in the, in the ocean of of games on on that service so yeah the first flush that doesn't go so well with uh, the ocean analogy, does it? Not really. The no. first flush, <laughs> especially especially with the state of our 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 uh, our, our waters <laughs> in the UK at the moment. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a good choice, as I say. Uh, 
I don't know whether to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. So Game Pass and that they're they're on my extras list. The motorized curtain track you've proven is an excellent idea. Um, a ring doorbell with remote door lock was another idea on my was, on my extras yeah. list last year, and a gamer snack subscription box, which you kind of did last year because you suggested Ding Dong Dim Sum if you remember, I did. which was um, delicious. It's that's a service that sends you dim sum in the post. Yum yum yum. Yeah, for you to cook yourself. Yep. So they were they were our, some of our ideas from last year. Uh, Chris kicked us off with Game Pass for this year. Solid solid entry. Um, I'm gonna up the ante with my first one probably and then there'll be a steep decrescendo going going forwards from this so just bear that in mind like we're hitting hitting the pinnacle now in terms of cost and frippery but then everything from there is going to be like on a on a downward roller coaster steep incline sort of situation it's all downhill from here so i think you could probably guess what i'm going to say or maybe not i don't know but my first recommendation is a VR headset. Ah, okay. Specifically, um, I would say the MetaQuest 3, which has just come out. Um, it it came out in October, and I wasn't going to get one. And then, the, it, and then you, the, you know, things started getting buzzy. Uh, people started talking about it. That was a bit of a like a, a tipping the scales moment. It ended up with me buying one just last week. I was still a little bit dubious. I was still reserving my right to send it back because, you know, you can send things back to certain online outlets uh, within a month. I am not sending it back because the last week I found some really excellent things. I've really enjoyed my time with it. And um, there's been a couple of moments this week where people have asked me about it and I've I've, I've tried to explain um, what different things... I've experienced that were pretty amazing. I don't know if they're going to, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it across to you necessarily, but I'm going to try. So well, you it, mentioned it arrived last menu and having the menu in front of you and tapping at it with your hands. Yeah. So I'll start with that one because that's a little one. So the menus, it's, they float in front of your face um, and you can grab them. If, if the lights are, are, are okay you can grab and actually in low light it works quite well you can grab them and hold them with your hand and move them around and place them in the in the space in your room wherever you want them there was a a point a little so that's that's fun like it's novelty it's, it, it feels novelty it feels novel but actually it's also quite practical which is nice it's designed in a way that it feels it feels well thought out and it feel it does feel practical the way that you engage with the uh the interface there was though a moment that tickled me where i was stood in the front room and hannah was on the sofa and i was just i just happened to be facing in that direction and the menu was floating in front of me and hannah was situated behind the menu and i was talking to hannah with her behind the menu and there was a point where um i i did something and i stood myself up on tiptoes to look over the menu <laughs> at hannah and it was like oh this is weird that's weird it because it 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 feels even though it's not physical i can put my hand through it or whatever um it feels so physical it feels so tangible to the point where i am actually engaging with it as a as an actual tangible thing in my room i'm i'm hoiking myself up so that i can see hannah over the menu and that that moment just tickled me and all it was was the menu so that was that was one of them it happened shortly after though 
I think it was the day after the, the first day, which... So the first day was a recording day. We were recording, and I'd said to you that I'd got it. Actually, I think I came onto the mic uh, to the head to the camera I was wearing it. You were, um, yeah, for fun. After that, I was going to play a few games. I was going to like get a few demos and try out a few demos. And um, what I ended up doing was going on Google Earth, okay. and I thought I would dip in while other things downloaded, and I would dip in and I'd have a little look around the earth and then I would come back out and play the demos as planned. What ended up happening was I spent two hours uh, messing around on earth. The Google Earth setup is pretty great. I've heard that there are better ones. There's another, there's an app, a paid app called Wanda uh, that apparently does a really fab job of using Google Earth assets. But Google Earth itself is brilliant, I think. Um, it sets you, It sets up... Uh, and drops you down, I think, on a random place in in the world. And it just happened to drop me into a desert in the US where, you know, those big mountain, te- I think they're called table mountains, big stacks oh, of yeah, rock. Yeah. So I was like a, a giant stood in this desert with these big stacks of rock towering around me. I was still taller than them. <laughs> so I was looking down over this space and it was quite fascinating, like the 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 uh, shift in scale was mm. was pretty amazing. Um, and to feel like I was standing uh, in this space and looking down on it, it was pretty cool. It was kind of like model town-esque, I think. Um, so that was a, that in itself was pretty um, eff- effective, Chris's, Chris's word. Um, so do you have to walk pretty on effective. the spot then to, to move yourself forward? No, so you've got two controllers and you uh, can use okay. the sticks to to shift yourself around. Like one of the things that you can do, it's pretty tactile as well. They've, they have thought about this. One of the things that you can do is point at a, a position on the uh, map and then pull the trigger button and then it and drag yourself right. <laughs> towards that, that point. So there, there, there are some quite tactile things, but you can also fly over, like you can glide over and you can pull away from the earth and things. Um, like you're allowed to. And there are other things. Hmm? Like you're Aladdin. Like like Aladdin, yeah. Like Aladdin. It it felt like a whole new world, to be honest. Um, What I ended up, what I did uh, is I started to go to places that I uh, hadn't been for a while. So I went back to the place that I, to the house that I grew up in and had a look at that. Uh, And then, yeah, so that, that was an interesting one because I flew to the, uh, to the street and the, the whole thing's like, you know, like those dodgy 3D models that they implemented into Google Earth. Yeah. Well, the, they are all still there. Like it, you've got these three D models of of houses in rows, and they don't really look like houses. They kind of look like mushy versions of clay houses or something. Um, but what you do have, so I landed in this street that I grew up in, and um, I was looking around at these houses, and I was going, "This is kind of cool." Like I kind, I you know, I get where I am. I know where I am. I recognize it as a place, as the as the place that I was looking for. But what you also have is on your controls, on, on the end of one of your controls is a bubble. And in that bubble, if you look into that bubble, if you just look at the bubble, is the street view. It's a, oh, it's okay. like a distorted version of the street view. Um, but what you can do, and again, this is the smart design and the tactile design. In order to end a street view, you don't press a button. You put the bubble on your head. You 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 push the bubble into your head, or you know surround your head with the bubble, and you drop into the street view. And so I did this, and it was immediate. Like you just you just are in the street, and my house 
my old house was right in front of me and it gave me like this really weird nostalgic rush it wasn't yeah it wasn't even a pang it wasn't small it was quite big like it was it was more than i uh i would normally experience so i did that and i was like whoa i wasn't expecting that i then went to various different places like places we've been on holiday uh place uh, where we went on honeymoon we, i went to a very a variety of different places did you go to where one, you were gone to together no i didn't i didn't i didn't no i'm sorry that's that's for next weekend. All right. Um, I I went to all of these places, and then the place that weirdly got me was I went to the first place that we'd gone on holiday uh, as children mm-hmm. to, uh, abroad. I went to it's called Kalea. It, it was the first time we've been abroad. I was ten years old. I I just zoomed in on the place and then went into street view and i ended up by sheer luck outside a place called bowling golf which was a mini golf and and bowling place um that also did and this is this is you know this is how we were as a family we'd gone to spain and found the place that does the best spaghetti bolognese brilliant (laughs) it was i do remember it being absolutely brilliant i do also remember people eating paella next to us while we were tucking into our bolognese um and going oh this is good this is good bolognese isn't it yeah to be fair Um, you can't go wrong with a good spag bowl no, and they did a sensational one. So bowling golf in Calea de la Costa, if you if you want <laughs> one of the best. Um, I wonder if it's still good. Uh, yeah, I just happened to land by accident next to this place, and this we had a moment in that place where we were inside doing bowling, laughing at the fact that they spelt ha 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 j a j a j a and such, uh, because again we were, I was ten, and you know we weren't we weren't that well traveled uh, at the time um and the heavens opened outside and the street outside was on a slight gradient and it was like a river it was mm-hmm. a torrent just going down the down the middle of the road and i remembered that and that that thing just literally popped into my head uh, while i was in this vr and i had another similarly strong wave of nostalgia hit so then i wandered around Calea for a little while and that was that was cool i found the hotel that i uh, i stayed in it, it was brilliant then um, I went to another place in Spain that we'd stayed, and what I did there was like completely insane uh, to me. There's a button, so we're used to looking at maps from from above. There's a button on the on the VR uh, where you can take it from looking uh, down at it like that, take the Earth from being under you to take it to being in front of you. And I pressed that button in the middle of a town called Villanova and the earth went from under me. It came up in front of me like a wall. And if I looked up, there were... It was kind of, yeah, kind of like that. There were mountains above my head and it was just a wall of of the world. And looking that way, you were looking down the coast and looking to the right, you were looking down the coast and then there was just earth above me. And that was mind-alteringly strange like it was the the shift in perspective to be looking at something that you're so used to having traversed in certain ways and experienced in certain ways and and a lot of it being either in it or looking down on it in a map form to have it all laid out as a wall in front of you was mind-blowing very strange so that was probably one of the best experiences that i've had and one of the first ones that made me go oh maybe this is going to be more than uh 
more than I thought. I'd love to talk about it for a lot longer, but I'm not sure that we can. I, I will say that I've played I played a game called Please Don't Touch Anything, where you kind of do want to touch everything and and i did and i spent 10 15 minutes sitting on the floor in my living room thinking about the puzzles like just going i have no idea i'm stumped and i was playing a game called synth riders which is a beat saber type thing i think beat saber is a touchstone for a lot of people but synth riders is a similar but different game the meta quest 3 headset is what i've got the mess quest 2 is on sale various places in the uk at least at the moment and you can get it as cheap as 200 pounds in the uk and i think 200 dollars in the us as an entry into it either one of those headsets i think would be would serve you well so if you are if you have the disposable income i would go for the MetaQuest 3 if you want to do it but on a budget then go for the MetaQuest 2 you're not going to go wrong i don't think with either lovely but i do recommend you get one like they're 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 really good that's going to lead me nice into number two on my list because it's somewhere where i have uh, tinkle with uh, tinkle tinker with some VR over the summer, which was the Power Up exhibit at the Science Museum in London. Yep. So last mm. year, I recommended visiting the well, what was the Nottingham Video Game uh, Museum is now relocated to Sheffield since I went there a long time ago. And the Science Museum in London have got a exhibit. You never, you didn't recommend that. I did. Did you? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, retconning. Oh, outrageous. So, over the summer, uh, myself and my daughter went to the Science Museum in London where they've got a big exhibit called Power Up, which is about the history of gaming. From what I can see online, it's a permanent exhibit. I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I can't see any kind of end date in sight. And the it's all been curated by one guy who has thought about the history of games and which games are most important, which series are most important. And he's got together this, this room just full of consoles, games, series, all sorts of stuff. And it is brilliant. There's one wall that's a timeline of gaming and it's got from sort of BBC or even before BBC Micro all the way going up to uh, Xbox 360, I think it's the last one. There's an area of Zelda games, there's an area of Sonic games, Mario, there's an area of PC games where I played some Theme Hospital, there was Monkey Island 2, Tomb Raider, all games we played on the, on the, the podcast actually, and then there was an area of all like rhythm action games, so DJ Hero, I had my first go at DJ Hero, which is quite cool, uh, Guitar mm. Hero, there was uh, Donkey Konga. Uh, there was a VR area, there was a table in the middle that had a 16-player Halo setup so you could play against other people. It was just really, really good. And it only cost £10 per person to get in, and we were there for a good couple of hours just sampling all these games. It was really, really good fun. I'd recommend anyone, if you're visiting London for the day, or if you live in London or near London, I highly recommend, if you listen to this video game podcast, to go there, because it is brilliant. I don't know if you did say this. Is it a permanent exhibit? Well, from what I can see, it is. It, there was a big hoo-ha when it, it started in July, I think, and I assumed, therefore, that it was just a relatively fleeting thing. But when I looked online, I can't see any note of it there being like an end date. Mm. Okay. I mean, yeah, it sounds it sounds really good. We're going to London next year a uh, couple of times, so maybe that's something that I can float with Hannah see if she's interested. Yeah. Cool. Good recommendation. Um, you don't need to go anywhere for my next recommendation. It is a subscription to Patch Magazine. Have you heard of Patch Magazine? I have not. So Patch Magazine is a little, a little, a little imprint. No, it's not. Patch Magazine is a, a new venture by a group of of people trying to establish like a, a an indie specific 
magazine format. Um, and they release monthly, at least as far as I know they release monthly. Um, I subscribed a couple of months ago and the first issue that I got was Patch Magazine's awards issue. Uh, and I'm due the next one. So I think it was it would be December. But yeah, basically it's a reviews magazine in the old in the old style. Like there are there's a mixture of reviews and articles about different games. Uh, but the the unique shtick here is that it's focused like on the indie scene okay so um yeah i i really like it i think it's really well made uh it feels good quality in your hand and you can tell that the people that are doing the writing know what they're talking about and care and what's the costing for that please uh it's 5.99 for a year that is that is inclusive of postage and packaging that's monthly monthly okay yeah and if you, what you need to factor into that is that it's a very small print run. Yeah. They only print what they need to print, and now the costs obviously are higher when you're doing smaller numbers than uh, than when you're doing large ones. That's a good recommendation. I've um, read a, I bought a couple of issues of Retro Gamer this year and quite enjoyed that. So yeah, but obviously you. Like yeah, said, I, so Retro Gamer is one of the. Sorry. Obviously, like you said, Patch is more indie. Retro Gamer is obviously. Yeah. Retro- what I'd like, and well, maybe I should I, I should talk about this later. Yeah, I'll I'll save that. There you go, uh, as a teaser for for a later talking point. So you you go. What's okay. your next one? Oh, number three is going to be something I did recommend last year, which is a donation to Special Effect, the gaming charity. It's a charity that supports people for whom games are maybe not quite as accessible as they could be and enables them to access games in all sorts of ways, like bespoke controllers, bespoke games, all sorts of stuff. It's a very, very noble, very worthwhile charity, uh, one that I've donated for. And like you said with the VR, if you have the disposable income available to do so, it would be something I would recommend doing. Yeah, Special Effect do some really great work, and um, they make yeah they make games accessible for people that would s- struggle potentially to access games yeah, there's not there's nothing more to add really other than I agree that's a great thing to to donate to. I've uh having having had that very earnest and worthwhile recommendation in your number 3 slot, I've got basically the opposite. I've got in my number 3 slot a copy of A Profound Waste of Time which is in a similar vein to Patch Magazine. It's a it's a write a piece of writing. It, it's a collection of writing that um, that is brought together in a journalistic fashion. You know, I don't know if everyone will know what that is. Um, it, it's kind of like the the gaming equivalent of an academic journal. So there are some. It's not it's not wholly highbrow, but there are some like quite journalistically rigorous articles that are all pulled together in a into a really a lovely package that then is sold that I think they've kickstarted it most uh, most issues it's only on issue three but in issue three there are articles from Fumito Oeda if I said that right I hope I hope I have um, Tim Schafer both of whom I don't think need any um, explanation as to who they are um, there's uh, also uh, Matt Leone who's one of their journalists does an early history of Street Fighter and uh, Grace Curtis, another uh, journalist, is 
is looking at the history of early web games in this article in this issue uh which to me is very interesting I, that's always been something that i've i've found very interesting do you remember our episode on flash. neopets and friends the flash games i i'm particularly interested in that article from grace because uh yeah it's kind of, it's just something that i've always found fascinating and so many people that work in the industry now have have sort of had their start in that early web game uh space mm -hmm. in the mid to late to 90s to early noughties um so yeah they're always really well produced so this uh this issue the third issue if you were to google it if you were going to look for it you would find that it's got a cover from the last guardian which is i can't remember what it's called but if you heat it up the the ink will change so it's got a, a picture nice. of the of the uh of the monster i don't remember what you call it but the the creature from the last guardian and it's in shadow and if you heat the cover up the in ink changes so that it no longer is in shadow it's almost like it's emerging from the cave um and then yeah the art inside the magazines are all really lovely as well i'd not thought about those things for years where you heat up your thumb you rub your thumb over and yeah it reels the image mm -hmm. oh, i used to love those yeah well maybe you should get yourself a copy of a profound waste of time then so it's another, it's, another magazine then but with more of like it, a, yes a it is yeah overview. but it's a it's not a gaming overview i've done a really poor job of explaining what it is i i've for it, it's serving for for me it's serving something that i've been trying to find because i think one of the things that we don't get very uh, very much of is like um journalism or study or um thought thinking on the industry mm -hmm. and the production the the produce of the industry the games um we don't get anything that's rigorous or ad uh, academic in in its uh nature and i've been kind of feeling that lack i like i'd like to see people really wrestling with what games are doing and why games are doing it doing it and um the people doing those things as well and this is i think the closest that i've come to finding something that does that i want to be able to read people thinking as deeply about games as as they do so often about literature and, and film yep. like the academic arena is set for for those other media i want i want to see an academic arena founded around video games and i think that even maybe a profound waste of time doesn't quite hit that height of of uh, academia but it's certainly pushing us in that in that direction and i think it's a it's for me personally it's a direction that i'd like to see but on top of that it also has this really high production value and they've really been thoughtful about um how they've put the how they've put the uh, magazine together and the the commissions on art that they've that they've made uh, really serving the the magazine well um it would be a talking point as much as anything you know like people say table a coffee table yeah. books or whatever like it could be one of those for you if you wanted it to be but also if you open up the pages and you read it you're going to find people thinking more deeply about games than you maybe would find them elsewhere a lot of the time 
Lovely. Is that better? Have I explained it better no, now? No, I understand now a bit more what it is. Is it The two magazines are kind of serving alternative purposes. One's like a review book yep. uh, that you get monthly to say, oh, these games look interesting. You maybe should look at them. And then the other one's like a, you said an overview. I suppose there is an element of that, but it's, it's more like an academic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to think deeply about this one thing. And is that monthly? No, it's not. It's it's. I don't know what the time frame is on it, but they've had three issues over over some time. Okay. Uh, so it's what is as and when. And what's the costing of that one then? Oh, more. Yeah, I assume so. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's twenty five pounds per issue. Woof, Nelly. But as I say, if you think about it in the same way that you, uh, you know, like your adventure book. Yeah. The um. The point and click one. Yeah, uh, if you think about it in the well, same same sort of vein as that, then it makes more sense. Well, writing leads me nicely into what my number four is. It's kind of a twofer with a bit of a caveat. So I was thinking about, over the course of the year, there was a book that came out called Tomorrow, Tomorrow, Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin, Z-E-V-I-N, which is about two people who start developing, they start a, a video game company in the, I think, late 80s maybe early 90s can't can't quite remember and it's about their life and how they develop games and also their friendship and relationship that comes out of that as well and when the book came out I heard about it initially on a book program on BBC2 between the covers and the person talking about it Sarah Keyworth a a comedian who doesn't live too far from here was talking about it and I thought oh that sounds really good it's it's a book and she's waxing lyrical about how amazing it is it's about games fantastic and I got it and I thought it was quite poopy and I don't really understand what all the fuss is about personally so that's kind of part a of this point is that hey there's a there's a book (laughs) a book i hate well there's a book that's come out this year it's about games and it's done really really well loads of people seem to like it i don't personally but it's about games so you might uh whoever's okay Um, i had a similar thing with um with what's his face uh gamer oh what's the one you know it you like it and i didn't really ready player one Ready Player One, yeah. I I bounced off Ready Player One. I read it all, and I enjoyed it in in some sense, but I found that not to be what I was hoping it would be, based on the way that everyone had been crazy about it. I think that's the point. It was I was going into it expecting something amazing, life changing about a hobby I really really love, and mm. I didn't like it. I then in the last couple of weeks have read another book which has a link to video games, which I really really enjoyed. A book I could not put down. The book is called Sign Here by Claudia Lux. It is currently being turned into a TV show with Amazon by Phoebe Waller Bridge, and I'd I'd heard about it in a book magazine and thought oh that sounds really good and i finally got into reading it and it was amazing the it it's about it's kind of got two stories that run in parallel to each other that cross over at various points the the main thrust of the book is it is about uh, demons living in hell and how they go about getting people to to sign a contract to sign their soul away in order to achieve whatever it is they want to achieve that's one storyline and then the other storyline is about some humans living on earth and one of them has signed their soul to one of these demons you're not quite sure how and there's there's hints as to what's happened but it's not until the end of the book you find out what exactly what's happened it was a book a bit like when i read ready player one to be fair 
a book I could not put down. It was very well written in terms of being very easy to read, but very engaging at the same time. And I mm. I read it over about two or three days um, over last weekend. I just, I, I could not stop reading it. I was so hooked with it. But the, the video game bit comes in. One of the two demons that the book is focused on, one of them is called Cal, uh, because she's uh, she introduces herself as Cal, and the other demon says, why are you called Cal? And she says, oh, I name myself after the... Uh, um, the really evil bad guy from um, that that Zelda, Zelda Zelda game, you know, Calamity Ganon, and I thought, whoa! So, hey, there was, um, I mean, it, it, that's it's tenuous, but it's fine. Thanks. You've you've acknowledged the tenu tenuous nature of it by including a book that you don't like that is very solidly about video games. So, I appreciate the game playing there. It was very smart. Thank you. Very very good um it does that so the 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 link there with zelda it reminds me of shortly after breath of the wild came out i can't remember who it was but there was a quite a famous um quite a famous author i think he was a spy thriller writer who had googled the recipe for some certain uh, like meal and the recipe that he'd found was the zelda one and yeah. he, without even thinking, uh, copy pasted it into his into his manuscript for his book, and it got published. And it was very obviously to anyone that's played Zelda, it was very obviously not a real world recipe, and very obviously a recipe from Breath of the Wild. It was, and it was in the middle of this spy thriller or something. It's the guy that wrote the Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Is it? Yeah, I can't. Right. I can't remember. I think it's john boyne but i'm not completely sure no i don't think john oh no it was john boyne was wasn't it? it yeah yeah it so he wrote let's i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do some searching i wait, remember wait well, here i remember when that happened and he came out and said oh yeah that's what happened he was quite sheepish and embarrassed about it but it took it all in, in you know like oh silly me kind of thing which is probably the, the, the best way to kind of get yourself out of that sticky situation i think mm, yeah i mean it is still yeah I mean, there's there's lots of ethical questions around that, and and just uh, it is kind of writing 101, isn't it? Don't don't include un uncited and check sources uh, stuff in your book, and make sure that what you're copying and pasting one isn't copy and pasted because not cool, and two uh, is legit. So uh, yeah, it was a, a traveler at the gates of wisdom was the book. Uh, if you want to read it and it's um, so I'm just going to read you the paragraph the dyes that I used in my dressmaking were composed from various ingredients depending on the colour required but almost all required nightshade sapphire key swing yeah. alarm bell key swing the leaves of the silent princess plant octorock eyeball swift violet thistle and hightail lizard in addition for the red I had used for a Bria's dress i employed spicy pepper the tail of the red lizalfos and four hylian shrooms like did neither he nor the how copy would you not know think that oh about, i know you know keys what animal's that hmm, maybe we should look yeah exactly the high tail lizard i don't know i don't know uh, how that got through so many uh gates i don't know but anyway books about games on um, books are not about games or tenuously linked to games you can maybe include that one in there. A traveller at the gates of wisdom. 
but no, I was a Reddit, so I, I like don't know it. what the quality of the book is. But uh, but sign oh, no. here is really really good. Number four from yeah. you, please. Number four from me is a trip to a gaming market. Ooh, a gaming market. or fair with a, with a little budget. Actually, is something I included. Um, you you do have to pay to get into the ones that I'm aware of, but um, it's only like three pound or six pounds. So you know make the budget what you want it to be yes a gaming market there's actually one happening right now as we speak in london um it is a place that lots of um you know lots of vendors will go lots of sale sellers uh with a large collection of their stock to one single place that you that you can then visit and and purchase the things and it often has a retro slant um but you, you can find all sorts of things there. There, there will, there's also the one that's happening in London. It's called, if you wanted to Google it, the London Gaming Market. Hooray! It also has comic books and it also has board games and probably lots of other things as well. But its main meat and potatoes is uh, computer games, and in in that realm, it's it's primarily but not wholly um, retro or collectible uh, fair. So if you've got anybody that is um, a seasoned gamer or is a game collector or that you'd like to get into game collection maybe like they, they've expressed some interest in doing that then you could give them a helping hand by taking them along to a gaming fair and giving them a small budget to uh, to get their collection started they as i say the the london gaming market is happening today so we've missed that one um and they they tend to happen uh handful of times a year i think it's three times for london um throughout the year everyone will get together and have a big a big game jamboree of of buying and selling um they are available every other places as well so i think the same people that organize the london gaming market they also organize birmingham and newcastle they did used to do um and i don't know how often those those two happen um They've happened this year, as recently as this year. So um, depending on how successful they were, uh, they should continue to happen next year. Um, the They did used to have one in Manchester, but it doesn't seem to have happened for a good long while, as far as I can tell. So that one might now be defunct. But you've got London, you've got Birmingham, you've got Newcastle. If you are um, interested in doing something, similarly to your science thing, if you're going to London or you're going to... Uh, Birmingham or Newcastle you could maybe arrange the trip at the same time as the as the um as the gaming market and take and take yourself over there the Birmingham one actually happens at the custard factory which is a place that I really like do you know you don't you've 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 done a frowny face so right so the custard factory is actually what it sounds like it's where bird's custard was invented and made yeah so it's the original bird's custard factory um it is no longer a custard factory it is a like a an arts and alternative community space um so there is there there are lots of nice things there there's a bakery that does really lovely looking bread uh there's a there's a bunch of bars and cafes and uh there's an art gallery um there's a board game uh shop in the in the downstairs area and a table tennis table also next to that place um but yeah like an eclectic mix of of different small indie businesses that have all come together and use this space that used to be the custard factory a very historical place in um 
in Birmingham. Sounds good. Uh, those video game, yep. kind of, well, the gaming markets, the ones I've been to, as you said, they're, they're kind of a bit, a bit of all sorts of well. So you might pick up mm. um, some plushie or some necklaces and all that sort of stuff as mm. well. They're, they're good for broadening out beyond just video games. But the ones I've been to, I've really, really enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, an alternative option, if you are feeling like London or Birmingham or Newcastle are too far flung for you, depending on where you are in the country, um, an alternative would be to plan out a like a collector's hunting trip. And and uh, you, you would, ident- I think what you would need to do is make sure you do plan it reasonably well, like identify some goals for what you want to get out of it like if i'm i would like to look for snes things or i would like to find a nintendo 64 or something like that um broadly define what you're going out to find um identify some places that you might find them so that it might be as uh straightforward or obvious as i'm gonna go to cex and or game uh or or various other um secondhand retailers uh because they might have this thing and there's a cx in this place and a cx in this place and cx in this place i'm going to go around those over the course of the day and see what i can find um have your goals in mind but also keep your mind open to what else is there that can be quite a fun little trip if you uh if you plan it right so yeah in the absence of a gaming market local to you uh maybe just have a have a hunting trip do a bit of shopping Mm. Okay, lovely idea. It's time spent is the get is the is the is the gift there, isn't it? Time indeed. So number five, uh, last one on my list. Uh, I recommended Peach Snaps as a card game last you did. year, and this year I'm going to recommend another card game. Of course you are. Exploding kittens. Mm, right. Okay. I got bought it for my birthday this year, and I finally got what all the fuss is about with exploding kittens. I think it's great. Uh, it's fine. Oh, it's good. good <laughs> no, nah, it's it's popular for a reason. Yeah, it's not my favourite, but it's popular for a reason. Easy to learn and lots of possibilities, and I I just think it's really good, really really good. If you're buying it for someone, good. maybe bear in mind that some of the cards are a bit scatological. Some of them are a bit internety. There's people I. Like my, my dad, for example, who likes card games, I wouldn't play it with him. It'd just confuse him. So um, just bear in mind, if you are going to buy it for someone, who you're buying it for. And there's lots of expansion packs as well, so you can add extra cards, extra layers to it as well, which I've not really dabbled with yet, but the actual the core game itself, Exploding Kittens, is re good. I think that the people that made Exploding Kittens also made, I can't remember its name, but they made a game where you get a pair of lobster claws that you have to wear on your hands while you're doing certain things in the game they're they're like rubber lobster claws i think it's the same company i can't remember the name i think it's the same company that did poetry for neanderthals as well which is also very fun Mm. yep it is it's yeah because it is called exploding kittens poetry for neanderthals there you go i think so yeah oh yeah it's good cool Good recommendation. Good was that me. your last one? That was my last one. So we're into your number okay, five. Well, it's a continuation. We're very, we're very solidly in retro zone now because my recommendation, uh, my final recommendation is um, a retro games console. Mm. So uh, there is a, a good reason for this uh, to some degree and it is based on prices. Prices are starting to creep up on certain 
eras of consoles. And actually, to just to be honest, across the market, console prices are creeping up. Um, in 2009-ish, maybe 2010, I got a SNES. I got a Super Nintendo. And it cost me £27 with Super Mario World. Fully boxed, pretty pristine uh, conditioned box, Amazing. two controllers and everything. Yeah. Um, Imagine what that would have cost you... back in 1990. That would have been... Oh, sure. Oh. It costs more now. If you were to try and get that now, you would be hard-pressed to get it for uh, less than 100 And really? I think that's being... Yeah, oh. I think that's being... Um, I think that's being hopeful it's based on a cursory glance of ebay so you know you depend on where you go depend on where you try to source things you could probably get things better better prices um maybe but yeah like the pack that i bought it was the super nintendo world plus it was super mario all-stars plus super mario world that one that had the cartridge in the box and i paid i paid 27 pounds for that and and it was perfect condition as i say if you wanted to try and get that yet yeah, i'm just having a little scan through results now and you aren't just looking at 100 pounds you're looking at more like sometimes it does on you know like a good day it'll dip down to about 100 um but yeah you're talking like 200 for, for some of them you, there's one here it didn't sell but they've put it up at 420 which is i think a big ask at the same time the very next one is 195 pounds with 22 bids um and it, yeah, it's it's about the same as as what I got. Depending on which one you're trying to get, uh, you you're looking at prices even higher than that. So over a decade, the price has gone up by four or five times. Mm-hmm. You can still get an unboxed SNES for less than a hundred pounds. So like you can, I, I think again based on a a bit of a sketchy look on eBay, about sixty to sixty five pounds. You could probably get one with all the cables that you need. Um, maybe if you're lucky, a game, but that game might not be one of the premier games. But it doesn't necessarily matter if you're collecting. Um, a NES is a similar price, so a Nintendo Entertainment System, similar prices there, unboxed, good condition, working condition at least, um, about sixty six five pounds. Mega Drives are fifty, mm-hmm. um, and Mass System Twos I found for about forty five, like obviously there are other consoles outside of that range they're the ones that i'd be looking at uh at maybe getting because the prices i think probably will just carry on going up um so if you get one now if uh, you could maybe start a collector on their collecting journey i i think the re- one of the reasons that i'm suggesting this is not just ba- based on price although price is a big factor because they are just going to get more and more expensive this you know might reasonably be the last chance saloon to some degree in in terms of people being able to do that because the accessibility in in price terms might actually get to be unreasonable um so you're not necessarily just getting them a console you're getting them something that they uh wouldn't be able to get in the future yeah i think for a um, re- retro games podcast it sounds that's a, a good recommendation as well like that and that would yep. be a, a very nice present for someone who was interested mm. in gaming you could of course just as a point you could you could of course get the snes mini mega drive mini there's all those but then you're losing it on the actual piece of hardware the actual nostalgic feels that come with that and also you're locked into whatever's on the snes mini mega drive mini because oh, oh, can, can the Mega Drive is the Mega Drive or was there one where you could put in Mega Drive cartridges or have I just made that up? 
I don't know about that. I don't think so, but I I could be wrong. They uh, you can you can there's lots of uh, like different ways around it. I I think Analog is a company that makes uh, new hardware for old consoles, so you could get an Analog uh, Mega Drive that takes old cartridges. Similarly, you can get a Game Boy version. I think it's called the Analog NT or something like that. That'll take Game Boy and Game Boy Color and uh, cartridges and so on. Like there's lots of solutions. So this is particularly for people that are interested in getting into collecting potentially. Mm-hmm. The thing I think that it gives you as the person buying it is future Christmas present ideas. And I think Mm. that's hugely valuable. (laughs) We once tried with my little brother when he was um, fairly young, we once tried to get him into fish. Uh, Like we bought him a little fish tank with some uh, Tetris uh, in the hopes that he would uh, find an interest in it and we would then be able to rely on that as a a future gift giving option. But um, it never took, to be honest. It never really. He took. He looked. He took good care of them, uh, but never really was uh, interested in in broadening out the the hobby. Um, this is one of those things that, like, if you if it's for the right person, you you give them not just you you give them not just a gift, but you give yourself a gift in terms of easy Christmases going forwards, uh, potentially. On the classics, so you were talking about different consoles taking different uh, cartridges. What you can do with the classics is load them up with your own ROMs if you have have those ROMs. Um, The problem with your plan is that the SNES classic, just looking, that gets mixed into these eBay results, and that sells for 100 quid too. Does it? They are not cheap. Wow. Yeah. The, the, The SNES, yeah, just SNES everything has gone through the roof. The same for the 3DS. Like, the 3DS has been expensive for some time. And if you have any interest in getting yourself a 3DS, then you should probably do it sooner rather than later because the price is probably just going to keep climbing. We're in a... What's it called? A bu- Is it a bull market? I've got no idea, but it sounds exciting. Yeah. Well, it just means that the market is 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 uh, in control of pricing, not the not the purchaser if that makes sense there's so much demand for these things that are in limited supply that you're just looking at a, an ever-increasing uh cost rather than <sighs> a and i don't imagine that's ever going to get fixed either in terms mm. of they're only going to get rarer the more they get into people's hands that want to keep them the less availability there's going to be and so on it's just going to compound the issue so yeah jump jump on it now ra- sooner rather than later i would say Good recommendation, and I think the idea of then future proofing future Christmases is also a very good shout as well. Yeah, just if you, if anyone's got any ideas on how to do that with with other things, then please do tell us because <laughs> I'm always looking for ideas. Cool, and there we go. That's our ten gift recommendations for this year. Hopefully, there's been something in that that maybe for yourself, but maybe also for someone in your life who is into games. Maybe there's something there that wets your whistle. Yep. That's it. That's that. Done. Christmas. Well, so, well, no, no. Hold your horses. It's not Christmas. We've still got oh. four more Christmas episodes to pop oh, out God. over the next month. That's up, opportun- That's apt wording. Thank you. So we'll do the next couple of weeks, we'll do our games linked to Christmas in some way, and then we'll do our gift. was it, gamers? Game of the year? Gift of the game. That's it. Gift of the game. Good. It's gift of the game. It's, it's really the best. Polished, it's the best it? name that we've got in the whole of our podcast. Gift of the game. Gift of the game, and then our rounds for the year, right at the end of twenty twenty three, as we slide into twenty twenty four. 
all yeah. good stuff to come. Yeah, yeah. That I think I actually really enjoy doing these episodes. Yeah, I so well. I hope people are enjoying listening to them. And I hope everyone has a good Christmas. Although, yeah. you know, I'll probably say that next week and the week after as well. It's a nice message, so, isn't it? Probably a bit premature. I don't know. I don't know. It's nearly December. It's 26th of November when we're recording this. Madness. This so, year's flown. We'll see you next week for what will it be? It'll be my Christmas game. And in the meantime, please remember to join us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And like, share, subscribe, break and review. Yeah, if you if you want to. If you don't want to. feel fussed. It's yeah. fine. Don't really uh, we, we're, we're not fussed. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, have a good week. And we'll see you again for another one next week. Bye. Ho, ho, ho.